stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you uh, are watching on the NRB Network, DirecTV Channel 378, or listening on AM820, The Truth, we welcome you. If you have family or friends who can't watch uh, Heart of the Matter on television, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch it live streaming video from anywhere in the world. They can also watch past shows, 250 plus hour long live shows are recorded in our archives at hotm.tv. I was a born again Mormon moving toward Christian authenticity, kind of the book that got the whole thing going. Uh, God's Hands uh, is available to you at utlm.org, at Lifeway Christian Bookstores, and at um, Christian Gift and Bible. And of course, it's available at bornagainmormon.com. Sunday afternoons, 1 p.m., tune in to AM820 The Truth, where they play replays of Heart of the Matter uh, on that AM station. By the way, uh, throughout the week, they also have excellent programming if you're interested in learning more about the Bible, the Word of God. Then at 2.30 p.m., the uh, never-denominational, verse-by-verse, come as you are, refreshments are often served, fellowship occurs afterward, Bible study at the University of Utah. You can go to www.calvarycampus.com to find out more information about that. Uh, All right, teens, youth pastors, film enthusiasts, uh, Aletheia Ministries has produced what we feel is an outstanding A short Christian film aimed at reaching teens and young adults, especially teen and young adult girls. Uh, The film is titled Girl, and we are having a screening, a premiere for this short film, Monday night, December 6th, at the Gateway Megaplex Theaters in downtown Salt Lake City. The premiere is free. Light Light refreshments will be served, and then there's going to be a short panel discussion uh, to discuss uh, things with the writer-director and uh, with some panelists who will be there. We're going to take a quick look at the one-minute preview of Girl. Check it out. Dear God, Mother says you only answer prayers from obedient and chaste girls. If that's the case, I'm screwed.
some reason, I believe in you. And for some reason, I think you'll help me. So here's my confession. Girl is going to be distributed uh, around different places after the screening and also submitted to some film festivals. We need your uh, review. We want to hear your thoughts about it. And so please join us Monday night, December 6th, 7 to 8 p.m., Gateway Theaters, and uh, we'll go from there. It seems that there's a new handbook of instructions out for the uh, LDS Church. These are kind of secretly kept by bishops, stake presidents, leaders in the church, and uh, uh, it's an interesting thing because they had a meeting on this new handbook of instruction and from what I was told from someone who attended that meeting, some new things are being emphasized. I called the church uh, priesthood department, talked to them about it, and they verified what I was told. And essentially it's this, when I was a member of the church, uh, when I advanced in the priesthood, either became a priest or when I was baptized and, and confirmed a member of the church and received the Holy Ghost, baptized, became an elder in the, what they called the Melchizedek priesthood. All those things were performed by my dad, who was a priesthood holder. Now, uh, the, this new handbook of instruction has introduced a new, a new wrinkle in the whole thing. From now on, fathers, they can participate in the ordination or in the setting apart of their sons uh, and or daughters, I suppose, in, in whatever circumstance that would dictate. But the fathers can join in in doing that, but they cannot be the voice. They cannot be the one who says you receive this unless they have an active temple recommend. You see, so what this does is it takes fathers who have received, quote unquote, the priesthood themselves and have the privilege of ordaining their, their sons to the priesthood or to different offices. Uh, they can no longer do that unless they have an active temple recommend. So no longer is it just necessary for you to be worthy in terms of being able to exercise your priesthood in the Mormon church. You now have to have an active temple recommend, which translates to you have to be a full tithe payer, which means right now men are being dangled over the ability to confirm or ordain their own sons and children in the Mormon priesthood. Uh, and unless they pay their tithing, they're not going to have the privilege of doing it. Now, the, ch the church says they'll be allowed to stand in and be in the circle with the other men because they hold the priesthood, but they're not going to be able to be the voice. Uh, just another uh, twist. The brethren have imposed upon these, these poor people who have, uh, who have bought into the myth and, uh, and drank the Kool-Aid. So God be with them. Finally, uh, if you're interested in products for uh, whatever reason from Israel, you can go to www.hotm.tv. We just received a whole new shipment from Israel. Uh, authenticated, certified, olive wood, things like that. If you're interested, it supports the ministry, it supports Israel. Uh, so we invite you to do that as well. There's our introductory remarks. With that, let's have a prayer and get into our topic for tonight. Dear God of heaven, oh Lord, we need you in our lives. And uh, we worship you and thank you for life itself. We thank you for your word. <coughs> we thank you for your son. And we pray that we will be able to represent him well, Lord, uh, as we speak tonight. Uh, be with our audience uh, members, uh, whether they're here in studio or anywhere in the world. 
bless our volunteer staff who are here through some arduous means, arduous, difficult trials to get here. We're having bad weather, Lord, and bless uh, people wherever they are that they will come to know you uh, better uh, and better because of the ministry. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after the one-time presidential candidate Mitt Romney announced that he was quitting the race um, a few years back, a local radio talk show host made the comment that Romney had to back out. He had lost, essentially, the Republican nod because Mike Huckabee publicly asked this question. Don't Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers? End quote. Our program tonight is about Satan, about how the LDS view him, his origins and purposes, and what the Bible says about him. Now, if the LDS have a distorted view of God, which they do, and if they have a distorted mythical view of Jesus, which they do, it would only make sense that their views and teachings regarding Satan uh, would follow in the same uh, line, which they do. So tonight, we'll investigate the LDS myths about Satan, who they commonly call Lucifer, okay? In order to really grasp the Mormon idea of who Satan is, we have to once again take a brief look at the fanciful idea of what the LDS call a pre-existence. Good old Mormon president, now deceased, Spencer W. Kimball, wrote in his epic book, Teachings of Spencer W. Kimball, the following. Quote, long before you were born, a program was developed by your creators. That line alone right there, a program was developed by your creators, is enough to make you fall over and, and gasp for, for breath. But anyway, it says, long before you were born, a program was developed by your creators. The principal personalities in this great drama were a father, Elohim, perfect in wisdom, judgment, and person, and two sons, okay, Lucifer and Jehovah, that, end quote. Apostle Joseph F. Merrill said in LDS General Conference in April of 1949, quote, according to our understanding and teachings, Satan is a person with a spirit body in the form of that like all other men. He is a spirit brother of ours, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our elder brother in the spirit world, end quote. As we mentioned many times before, Latter-day Saints believe that every single human being has lived, uh, is living, that has lived, is living, or will live on this earth, existed in this pre-existent spirit world before coming to earth and getting a physical body. All of these spirits, <coughs> excuse me, were formed by God, and his wife, Heavenly Mother, or his wives, Heavenly Mothers, depending on who you read. And they were formed out of intelligent spirit matter that has always existed that even God himself could not create. So God and Heavenly Mother or Mothers in this pre-existent state look out and they see these intelligences out there. And from those intelligences, they together form spirit children. And, and, and that's their story. Joseph Smith taught that God the Father gathered these intelligences and created each of us, the spirits that's within us. He also taught that my spirit, Sean McCraney's spirit, 
God, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother formed out of these intelligences that it even kind of looks like me, that, that, that my spirit looks like Sean McCraney in his body and that your spirit looks like you in your body. Among these spirit children were some who were at the top of the glory pyramid. These intelligences were of different brightnesses and different glories. And at the very top of the highest glory of those intelligences created into a spirit body was um, certain people. And then they sort of trail down in glory and gradations as you get to lower and lower casts of people. The brightest of these spiritual formations was Jehovah, they say, who they call Jesus, uh, which is absolutely incorrect biblically too. Jesus was Jehovah, but so was the Father and so was the Holy Spirit. But anyway, and the first spirit child born to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother out of these intelligences was Jesus. And the second born was this child called Lucifer. Now remember that name. Following Satan's spiritual construction, our heavenly parents then created the great patriarchs of the ages and the prophets of the ages like Abraham and Joseph Smith and the like. Following them came the leaders of the Mormon church. Following them came the members of the Mormon church. And then following them came the rest of the inhabitants that would uh, fill up this world. And many LDS leaders, teachers, and members have long assumed, at least when I was a kid, they assumed, that black people were at the lowest end of these intelligences, that they were, they were not bright at all compared to what Jesus and Lucifer and the leaders of the church on down to the members and the rest of them at the very end, other end of the scope were the black spirits. So when people like Mike Huckabee ask, isn't the devil the brother of Jesus in Mormonism, uh, the answer to that is yes. Faithful Latter-day Saints uh, say Jesus uh, is our spirit brother and he is Lucifer's spirit brother. To the trained Christian ear, this idea is absolutely reprehensible, uh, which is probably why Huckabee brought it up in the first place. Why? The Bible is manifestly clear that Jesus is an uncreated being, that he was in the beginning before all things because he was God, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and that he was in fact uh, created, um, I mean not was in fact created, had in fact created all things uh, including Satan. Jesus it created all things. And you read for, uh, John 1, 1 through 3, you can see that. So to put Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, our Savior, our King, in the same class as a fallen angel named uh, Satan, uh, or in the same class as us mere men, is just unconscionable to the regenerated Christian's mind. Okay, now take a moment and ask yourself. Just ask yourself this question. Does the LDS view that Jesus is our spirit brother, same as Lucifer is our spirit brother, and we're all spirit brothers, does that make you want to worship Jesus and understand and follow him more? Or does the idea that Jesus was God incarnate and came down to suffer for sin so that we could live with God, which one makes you want to honor him and worship him and follow him more? Which idea, the Mormon idea or the Christian idea? Okay. Now, after supposed 
simply creating these spirits, the LDS say that God the Father presented a plan. And in this plan, he told all the spirits who were looking at him, and he had a body, and Heavenly Mother had a body. All the spirits said, we want to be like you. And so Heavenly Father said, gave this plan. He said, I'll make a world, and you can go down, and you can live in that world, and you'll be tried and tested. And if you're faithful, you can come back and live with me, and then you can become a God later. And I've always wondered how in that plan when it was presented, we were supposed to be tried and tested when there was no devil to try and test us yet. Uh, it was only when Lu Satan or Lucifer rebelled that the trials and tests came. But I guess God foresaw that in the Mormon mind. I never understood that. But anyway, Lucifer, say the Mormons, did not like Heavenly Father's plan. And he came up with his own plan where he would come to earth and he would force all of the spirit children to obey God perfectly. And then everybody would return to Heavenly Father uh, glorified and perfect because we were forced to obey. And um, as a result of forcing all of God's children to obey and perfectly return, then uh, he would become glorified. Satan would be more glorified than God. This is their whole story. This is the myth. And when you have been taught this from the cradle, this is kind of an enticing fairy tale. You know, it gives you a history. And so it's very interesting. Mormons say that our elder brother, Jesus Christ, stood up and said, listen, I will go down to the earth and I will offer up myself on behalf of people. And if they repent and follow all the Mormons laws and ordinances and rites and rituals and, and are really good, I will then make up the difference for them, the slack, so to speak, and cover for their sins. And so uh, Heavenly Father rejected Lucifer's plan and uh, the spirit children, us spirit children, divided into two camps. Two thirds of us, all of us here on earth with bodies, went with Heavenly Father's plan. A third of all the spirit children went with Lucifer's plan and they were ultimately cast out of heaven, came down to this earth, and now they spend their time trying to, to tempt us and make us fail so uh, we will never be able to return and live with Heavenly Father again. So that's what the whole Mormon history of where Lucifer came from is. Now allow me to take a, a minute and talk about this name Lucifer for a minute. This is really important. This is vitally important, okay? In the Old Testament, there's a passage in Isaiah, and it's Isaiah 14, 12, and it reads this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Okay? That is the only passage in Scripture, New or Old Testament, where that name Lucifer is used. Okay? Many people, Christians included over the ages, have taken that passage and believed it was talking about Satan, okay? For Christians, this was just a mistake in teaching. Why? The 14th chapter of Isaiah is speaking of a fallen Babylonian king who had persecuted the children of Israel. In the 4th century AD, a guy named Jerome came along and he took the Hebrew Old Testament and he translated it into Latin. And somewhere along this line, the name Lucifer, which is not found again anywhere in the entire Bible, was included in the Hebrew text in the Latin. All right. And to describe this Babylonian king. Um, in Roman astronomy, Lucifer is the same as the person that we would call Venus. And um, the morning star which appears just before dawn. 
And it comes from the Latin phrase lucem fere, and it means bearer of light. So uh, the Hebrew text uh, in Isaiah now, describing the king of Babylon, um, described him as Hillel son of Shehar, which is translated the day star son of the dawn. This king was called this because Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king, he wore clothes and they shine like gold in the light. And so they named him Hillel, son of Shehar. So when Jerome got the, the Hebrew Bible and it's describing Nebuchadnezzar as this day star son of the dawn, Jerome took the Latin word Lucifer, which means um, uh, morning star, bright star, and he imputed that into the Hebrew text the term Lucifer, describing Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And he used a Roman word to describe him. And now we can forgive people for thinking that this is speaking of Satan because when you just read it, you, it seems to describe a glorious being who fell like Satan did. But there, so there is forgiveness in Christians reading that this person fell and they could say, well, that could apply to Satan, all right? But there is absolutely no forgiveness for Joseph Smith using Lucifer in any text he came up with. Why? Because he took this misleading Bible name, Lucifer, and incorporated it under the auspices that God had told him to put it into his sacred texts. And it wasn't even in the original text all the way up to AD, uh, uh, the fourth century AD when Jerome put it in there. You understand? In the Book of Mormon, which Joseph claims to have translated by the gift and power of God, he used this Latin name Lucifer in describing Satan. Ha! Huh? It didn't even exist. This is supposed to be ancient golden plates, and Joseph Smith is supposed to have translated those plates, and he includes a Latin name into those things, calling him Lucifer. It shows that he plagiarized in that sense, right into the Book of Mormon. In the Doctrine and Covenants, where Joseph Smith is supposed to be receiving revelation directly from God's mouth to his ear, writing it on paper, he includes in Doctrine and Covenants 7626 the name Lucifer again, assigning it to Satan. Not at all. Plausible. And in the Pearl of Great Price, which describes this mythical war in heaven between us as spirits uh, and going on, Joseph again refers to Satan as the Jerome's 14th century description of Nebuchadnezzar as Lucifer. He lied, my friends. He absolutely plagiarized and lied. And he, he incorporated a bad term for that's being ascribed to Satan in his own religious texts. Being the great deceiver, I would imagine that Lucifer, or Satan, excuse me, is delighted with this. Loving to be misunderstood and to be thought of as all these different things. When, when people call him Lucifer, he probably just smirks. So what do Christians think? Where do they think Satan came from? And what does the Bible have to say on the topic? And how do the LDS use the Bible passages to, to support their ideas of, of uh, Satan? When it comes to the topic of Satan, Christians admit that we know very little about his origins. Uh, and what we do have in reference to his, him and his person is still quite inconclusive. Uh, however, there are nine verses in the book of Ezekiel uh, that many Christians believe speak of Satan his beginnings, and what put him on the throne of darkness. Literally, these passages are not about Satan. They're about the king of Tyre, uh, as the chapter before in these verses describes him as that. But 
it is possible, as it is with many other passages in the Old Testament, for them to apply both to the current setting of where it's being written, the historical setting of where the passages were written, and to both a prophetic setting and also looking back in time and speaking of someone else. So let's consider them for a moment. We're going to read them on the screen. And I personally believe these are speaking both of the king of Tyre and of Satan. You ready? Ezekiel 28:11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, the beryl, the oinks, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Keep watching. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and thou shalt, and never shalt thou be any more. Much of this could be very easily, and I believe is, applied to Satan. But in the end, the Christians do not have definitive answers as to the exact uh, origins of him. Most believe he was a cherubim, uh, a cherub, uh, an angel who, because of pride, fell from the grace and from the service of God in heaven. I personally believe, like I said, that these passages apply. This is what also the word says about Satan. His name means adversary, and it means accuser. It means the adversary. In the New Testament, Satan is used interchangeably with the Greek diabolos, or the devil, more than 30 times. So we have Satan and Diabolos interchanged. They mean the same thing. He is also called the dragon, the old serpent in Revelation 12, 9, the prince of this world in John 12, 31, the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He is called Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, Obviously, his power is great in this world. He is described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and people are said to be taken captive by him in 2 Timothy. Christians are warned against his devices, and they are called to resist him, James 4, 7. By resisting him, we are promised that he will flee. Hebrews interestingly says that he has the power of death. 
which I believe means he's, he's the executioner of some death, but not the one who gets to decide if and when a person dies. That's God's prerogative. We know from Corinthians that Satan can transform, uh, excuse me, from Galatians that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Or is that Corinthians? I can't remember. We also know that he works all kinds of powers and wonders. Christians also know from the book of Job that Satan answers to God. As rebellious and independent as he seems to be, he must be obedient to God's rule and will. But that God allows Satan to tempt and try and do things in this earth because he won the title deed in the garden by getting Adam to fall. There are several biblical verses the LDS used to support their teaching that Satan was a created spirit, just like us, that he's our spirit brother, just like they say Jesus is. I'm going to give you them. In addition to Isaiah 14, 12, these other verses include Job 38, 7. And uh, let's look at them. In Job 38, 7, God asked Job where he was in the beginning. And uh, because he's saying, Job, you know, you're questioning me. You're, you're having problems with me. Where were you in the beginning? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's what God asked Job in there. And to the LDS mind, they say it's evident that this was a preexistence, that the plan was presented by the Father, and that the sons of God shouted for joy. Strangely, some LDS believe that God's question of Job where were you when the morning stars shouted for joy uh, that God was reminding Job that he was there? Hey, Job, where were you when the morning stars uh, sang for joy? Like God's trying to remind Job. That's how they try to put that. Uh, but to Christians, the phrase, where were you when the morning stars sang together was God referring to his heavenly angels who were a creation completely different than man. And it was God's way of telling Job, wake up, you know, dude, you weren't even around when I formed the heavens, when I did any of this. So knock it off. All right. And it's interesting that the Chaldee version says when all the troops of angels gathered together and shouted for joy, the troops of angels. Okay. And uh, then there's another one. And that's in Revelation 12, 7, 9. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. Was their place found anymore in heaven? And the great dragon was cast out, that old servant called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so the LDS say that was, a, that, was that war we're talking about. Not at all. It was a war between the heavenly beings. And the angels, some angels went south. They were cast out and God created a place for them. Hell, Sheol, they were cast down in there. They were chained up and put in there with some liberty in different ways. Only God knows, but they were cast out and put down into that place. That was what hell was created for, these fallen angels. Men and women will choose that place, but that's what it was for. And finally, they will use 2 Peter 2, 4. God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The LDS naturally believe these passages are speaking of a pre-existent war. Again, they're taken out of context. The rest of scripture shows that those beings were from heaven in a heavenly environment, just like there's an oceanic environment for fishes and there's a human environment here on terra firma, all different levels, and they are not interchanged whatsoever. So uh, like the other Bible passages, 
Uh, these passages do not support the extra biblical ideas uh, that Joseph Smith taught about Satan, who the, he said his name was Lucifer. With that, let's open up the phones, 801-973-8820-973-TV20. First-time callers, please, LDS callers, if at all possible, turn down your television sets. We have Jessica in Ogden, Utah, first-time caller. We have Denise, Salt Lake City, first-time caller, LDS. Tammy, first-time caller. Jennifer, first-time caller. We're going to get to all of you in a second after I just talk to you quickly about our partners program. A lot of people get the idea that uh, we're on television, so we're self-sufficient. I must be independently wealthy, all these different things. Not true. If you're interested in supporting the ministry, you can go to HOTM.TV and you can find out a couple ways of doing that. You can do it through prayer. You can do it by supporting us in any way God leads you uh, financially. And we also have a partners program where you can join up for a systematized amount per month. It really helps us with our planning. And we sincerely appreciate everybody who comes alongside uh, and only in terms of God leading you and you being able to do it uh, with a cheerful heart. And that's how it works. So where God guides, God provides. He always has. And we trust in that. All right, let's open up the phones. We are first going to go to Denise, Salt Lake City, first time caller, who's LDS. Denise, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, Sean? Yes. Oh, yes, Denise Hansen. Hi, Denise. I can hardly hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that better? It is. I just want to let you know that I've been a Mormon my whole life, and I found out for myself, which I was grateful, because I was so jealous. I would go to church, and I was embarrassed to hear people get up and talk about Joseph Smith and bear the testimonies and cry and bawl, and I was never really active, and I would always be jealous of seeing the church full of cars, and I thought, I don't know, I don't know. And I went to lunch one day with a neighbor who is a very good Mormon and a wonderful friend. And I asked her, I says, why do they call us cults and why do they call us non-Christian? And she said, I don't know. I don't know. So I got studying on my own. And when I did, I found out... (laughs) The Mormon church is not true. Wow. It's just not true. And I'm grateful that I found out on my own. And after I did, I got listening to you, and you have given me a lot of insight and more information, and and you've given me a lot of information. Well, praise God. That is and a wonderful story, Denise. It is, and I found out that um, I gave God my sins, and He gives us His righteousness. Praise God. And you have really given me a lot of good information, more information even as a new Christian. And um, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for watching, and thank you for sharing that because that really gives people hope and it helps them to see you didn't catch on fire and burn up, your life didn't go down the drain. Instead, you were freed, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks so much, Denise. God bless. And and I want every Mormon to ask. I want every Mormon to ask themselves, why do they call us a cult, and why do they call us non-Christian, and then find out for themselves. That's beautiful. That is really great. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Jennifer in Salt Lake City, first-time caller and LDS. Jennifer, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, I have a question. Um, I'm LDS, and I've been watching your show a little bit, and I just I have a hard time with if you're basing your religion on putting down another one. Yeah, is I, that Christ-like? Okay. In your eyes, because I don't. I I'm sorry. I think you're a wonderful person. I'm sure you have wonderful uh, beliefs and stuff, but putting another person's religion down and their beliefs, I'm just okay. Jennifer, sure that that's really Christ-like. <laughs> let me let me give you a couple thoughts, okay? Okay. When Joseph Smith went to the uh, Grove, he came back and he said God told him that all the churches were an abomination to him. That all their pastors and professors, preachers, their, their hearts uh, were far from him. We're talking about some very devout people in this world at that time that Joseph Smith drew first blood and said all Christian churches were corrupt. In the Book of Mormon, he goes on to write that there are two churches and two churches only the true church of Jesus Christ, and that of the devil. In the LDS temple, in the, pic, in the film they used to show up until 1990, the devil would actually hire uh, pastors, Christian pastors, in the film so that LDS would believe that all Christian pastors are of the devil. When the missionaries go knocking on doors, 50,000 of them around the world today, they tell people, you cannot get to believe and get to see Heavenly Father again unless you have embraced the Mormon gospel. Now, I understand what you're saying when you just turn on the show a few times and you hear me, but have you ever considered those factors? I haven't, but they, we also believe that we believe are able to worship God how, where, what they need. So well, well, of course you do. You believe in liberty. I mean, that's a I good thing. That's a good thing. I have thing. friends that are of, a, of other faiths, and I respect. I respect you. I respect them. I. I just. But, I but Jennifer, everybody's faith. I, I'm a different person of Mormon faith because I have been outside of the faith. And um, okay, but Jennifer, I, and I respect so many other religions. I. But Jennifer, how could you respect any other religion? When all those Everybody religions, has to free, that's, yeah, but, how, but when all those religions, when all those religions are teaching something that your church says is not going to lead them to live in heaven, how well, could you respect believe, those? What I believe is that, and I may be out of you are my area of my religion. You are. But I believe in being a good person and living a life doing good for others, yeah. being Christ-like. It yeah. doesn't matter what religion you are. If you are doing that, I believe that you receive some type of, you know, whatever happens at afterlife or whatever. I understand <laughs> your belief. Everybody, everybody, can re everybody can achieve that no matter okay. what unfortunately, religion they are. Unfortunately, Jennifer, you notice this show is not Sean McCraney against Jennifer. You right, and I'm saying that. That's why I say I respect your um, beliefs. I just but your but your faith, <laughs> your faith that you say you embrace does not represent what you just said. And I don't actually believe what you just said biblically. But I'm just saying your faith does not have this 
this uh, attitude that you're it, bringing it to the, you're, it doesn't bring it. Doctrinally, I know it. A, I was one 40 uh, years, base. Jennifer. It's given me a, a basis. It has, it has a place where I've been giving a, given a, a foundation. I wouldn't say it's where I, it, it's taught me to believe in God and taught me to believe in myself and being good to others. Okay, all of that, all of that is not biblical. You don't have a foundation in a church. You don't, you don't believe you're a good person and you don't believe you're a good None of it's biblical. But I'm not going down that road with you now. I'm just talking to you about your first premise. You say, how could I do this when your very faith still exists on the same things? Mormonism is the only way. Well, I don't say that no, about Catholics, Baptists, Presbyterians. But why aren't you? Why aren't you? Because why? Because I don't you? believe I don't believe there is one way within the Christian body. I believe there are many ways to approach it. But Jesus is the only way. To Mormons, Jesus isn't the only so, way. Well, so why don't you allow other people to believe the way they want and not? Because I was uh, LDS. on their religions. Because I was LDS forty years, and I know right, the but, trap that they put people you, in. I know, but we all we have the religious freedom. We have patriotic freedom. We have we can do all that. I mean, everybody should just respect each okay, other. Unfortunately, and, and Jennifer, people, Jennifer, I know in your in your mind and heart you really believe you're speaking what is sound, but it's not really logical if you think about what you're doing because you're calling and you're saying, "Why are you picking on my church?" That doesn't seem right when your church—that's all they do. I would call on if you were doing it to the Jewish church, if you were doing it to the Catholic but church. But the but the it's Jews wrong to pick out another church. The and, Jews and the Jews do not say they're the Christian. The Mormons claim to be Christian. If Mormons said we're not Christian, I, I would never have this show. Why, why never. would I? Why? Why? If I believe in Christ, I'm not Christian. Okay, let me tell you, belief is not enough. Even the I devils believe. My life according to his no, 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 no. Don't tell me according, Jennifer. Even the devils believe in Christ, but it's not enough. You have to love him with all you have. Do you? I do. Or do you love the church, Jennifer? Do you no, love what the love church Christ. has done for I you, Jennifer? I want to be like him. I don't want to be like the church. I want to be Christ-like. But you I said the church. My life. You said the church is your foundation. Jesus That's is your rock. I See, they that's, that's my way of worshiping. Okay, you can have church. your way. All you got to do is turn the channel. But there's a lot of people who are trapped in that, and, and they want some understanding of why, if this is the true church, does all this stuff not add up? And we do a service for them to help them see. So you can turn the channel, and you can go on, Jennifer, and you can believe all the things you want to believe in your, in your way. But one, you're not doctrinally sound. Two, uh, you're not right even if uh, you are representing Mormonism. So you can turn the channel, but we will reach out to people who are seeking to know Jesus and Jesus alone, to be free in Him. That's what we're doing. Okay, then, then do that with your people. Seek Jesus. Don't bash on other uh, churches. I, bash on your church? Your church bashes on me. No, bash on other religions. You're your religion on bashes on me. I've never heard them say Sean McCree, whatever your name is. My faith. My faith. Never heard of it. Well, then you then are deluded. You're not informed either. Do you see what's happened to you? You are standing and you're thinking that you're really defending goodness and righteousness. You are defending an institution that has blinded you. You are blind and you don't even know the facts of your faith. 
I know the facts at least, Jennifer. And so I'm up here defending it. I don't do this because I don't love you. I do it because I love you. Do you get that? Do you understand, understand I'm trying to reach people you. with Jesus? I do. And I, and I respect you as a I don't know how you could respect me. I don't know how you could respect me. All right, we're done. Thanks so much, my friend. That, I respect anybody that is trying to make a difference in this world. Jesus came okay. because our differences don't matter. No, you're trying to make the world a better place. I'm not and trying I to make the world a better place. I'm trying people to know who Jesus is. That's it. Okay, and that's what Jesus' mission was, to make the world a better place? No. Place. No, it wasn't. All right, you take care. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hopefully that, will, that dialogue will get something going. We're going to Jessica. <laughs> We're going to Jessica and Ogden. Jessica, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, hello, Sean. How are you? Hi, good, Jessica. How are you? Good. Hey, I was born and raised LDS, and thanks to my in-laws, I am no longer LDS, and I am proud to say it. Um, the lo- more I try to get away from the church and... Um, the more in my heart I bring in God, I am being haunted by the devil. I'm having horrible nightmares of him. And just last night, my husband heard somebody in our house, and he went to go look. And I was laying there in bed, and I was literally um, having the breath squeezing right out of my body, and I was awake. And I would try to move or even try to say anything, and the word would be sucked right out of my body, and it, and all of a sudden it started showing me dead children. Well, and um, I don't know how to get rid of this, because it, it's literally scaring me that I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. You, uh, listen, uh, Jessica, uh, the Lord, uh, you, you go to him, you read his word, you get prayer partners, you uh, seek uh, uh, to have them pray for you and with you. You trust in him. You cast out uh, the darkness by your faith. Uh, Satan is a roaring lion, lion, and he seeks to destroy and devour. And he wants to remove you from your faith. He wants through fear for you to go re-embrace something because it's, so he can scare you back into it. He has no power or control over you. With Jesus in you, you've asked the Lord to, to, to take over your life. Are you born again? Do you believe in him? And you've confessed your sin. Is that, is that true, Jessica? Yes. And you trust in him. In he, the, the, Satan cannot hurt you. He cannot hurt you. You have God within you. And God will send his angels and you will be protected. And so you just have to get some people to keep praying for you. And you keep trusting and you'll be seen through. You'll be shown through. For some reason, remember, God is in charge of Satan. And he is allowing, he allows these things to happen for some reason or another. Your job is to have uh, trust and faith in him. Okay. Is there anything that I can do so that I don't have these dreams anymore other than just bring his word and just bring God closer to me? Um, even, even in my dreams, like I'll say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I demand that you leave or I plead the blood of Christ. Yeah. And That's what you're warring with. You can't beat that, those spiritual prayers, that, those offerings, that, that hope and faith and trust in Him. That's going to do it, and it's sufficient. Now sit back and rest in Him. Don't, do not fear. Do you know how many times Jesus said, don't fear? Do not mm-hmm. fear. Do not let you just remember in faith you are His. 
And Satan can have no power over you. So just take a deep breath. You offer your prayers. You trust in God. And if he starts showing up, you just, okay, Lord, where are you? And he'll show. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Let us know how you're doing, okay? All right. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Ben in West Jordan, first-time caller. Ben, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? Doing well. Uh, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, Sean, uh, this is my first time uh, calling in. I'm, I'm uh, originally from Virginia. I just uh, moved into uh, West Jordan about three weeks ago, and I'm still uh, still in culture shock as to uh, as to how everything uh, goes on out here with the LDS, but... Uh, uh, the Lord um, uh, led me out to uh, to Utah, and uh, I've caught um, caught your show to, uh, earlier today. The repeat that was on, and uh, and they told me that you'd be in the studio tonight. And I wanted to call in and um, and uh, just uh, uh, tell you that uh, you're a huge encouragement encouragement to me as a as a Christian. But also, I wanted to uh, pray with you about something. Um, on the air, you know, um, in Matthew nine thirty six through thirty eight, Jesus says, "When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd." Uh-huh. Then he said, to the "Disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of His harvest to send out laborers into His harvest." Uh, you know, if there's one thing I've been doing. Uh, a whole lot since I've been in Utah. It's been uh, praying that the Lord would um, send laborers into this mission field because uh, back east, you know, you go to a, a lot of churches uh, that that have missionaries, um, you know, all over the world. They're sending people to Africa and sending people all over the place. But it's uh, it's culture shock to see uh, one of the states in our own U.S. Uh, having people that are scattered and and weary, you know, yeah. like um, like sheep not having a shepherd. It's ex- It's an excellent reference. I appreciate the prayer uh, uh, and the praying over that, and uh, I'll do the same. Absolutely. And uh, if I could just uh, say a quick prayer with you um, on the air. Okay, Ben, you got to be quick, though. I hate to say that when it comes to prayer, but... <laughs> Absolutely. I, I completely understand. Okay. Uh, uh, just... Um, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for what uh, Sean's uh, doing here in the Salt Lake Valley and for what the rest of your servants are doing here in, in, um, in, uh, in Utah. Lord, uh, we pray that you just uh, uh, send laborers into your, into your harvest field, Lord, that, um, that, that many would come to know you here, Lord, uh, from, um, from the LDS Church and from other, faith, other claims and, and things as well, Lord. In, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ben. That brought a real great spirit, and I, I really appreciate it, my brother. No, no problem. Hey, take it easy, Sean, and uh, uh, keep, on, keep on keeping on in the Lord. All right, thanks. Same to you. Take care. Bye-bye. We've had a number of callers who are saying it's important that it, it, uh, Christ-like is standing up for the truth, that Jesus stood up for the truth all the time, and, and I didn't mention that to our caller who was combating that, but Jesus uh, constantly confronted people about their errant religious beliefs and he uh, in fact he even used pejorative terms to describe them uh, vipers and and liars and 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 children of satan so uh you know that we live in a time when things are really politically correct and mormonism is really jumping on that bandwagon and they are really trying to get everybody to say we just love 
we just love, never, never, ever confront. Jesus confronted people all the time. John the Baptist, all the time. Uh, Jeremiah, all the time. Ezekiel, Isaiah, all the time. All the greats, Paul confronted. Peter confronted, all the time. But Mormons are making it so... Jesus is you, ne- you just love everybody, even though they don't. And so it's a game, and it's one of the deceptive tools of Satan that they use to keep people off their back and not criticizing them, and so that they can run cl- uh, uh, free and clear with their billions of dollars of advertising that they do over the course of decades. And so, you know, we're going to fight the fight. We're going to stand up for Christ, we're going to stand up for Christianity, and we're going to say, you're not Christian, so stop saying you are. And if, if, if that bothers you, we don't care because we know Christ died for us and we take that so seriously and we do not think it's fair for someone to step up and say, yeah, Christ died, but you got to do this too. That makes us sick. So we're going to fight in his name. And if you don't like it, too bad. Okay, so let's go to, uh, <laughs> let's go to Monty in Verdian, Idaho. First time caller, Monty, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm loving the show, man. Thanks. It's good stuff. I've been studying a lot about the, the New Covenant and all that stuff, but I didn't, um, not concerning like the Mormonism, but like Messianic, the Messianic movement. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a lot of the same things as far as like trying to make the Gentile obey, you know, the things of the Old Covenant. Yeah. Um, one thing I found that you might think is interesting enough, you, you know, of the Noahide law from basically the law of Noah? the moral law. Yeah. There's the Mosaic law, which is the law of Moses, the moral law, which is the, which was when Noah came out of the boat. Um, and what I found on Jew- and on JewishEncyclopedia.com is that the, in Judaism, uh, Gentiles that wanted to come live with Israel couldn't just obey the Mosaic law. They were, they were not, that wasn't permitted. But they were, if they obeyed the moral law or the Noahide law, then they were considered as good as priests. And that's kind of like in the New Testament, Acts 15, where the, the Jewish people try to get the Christians to keep all the circumcision in the law. Yeah. But the, the council in Jerusalem went and said, no, as long as they obey these moral things, you know, the sacrificing of animals and the blood and abstain from sexual immora- immorality and all that, uh-huh. they're fine. So, so it kind of huh. re- it kind of puts the same the same aspect as the first covenant had on the Gentiles of the second covenant. Did. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I've never I've never heard that. So yeah, I really, cool. really appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, it's awesome. Good Thanks stuff. for watching, Monty. All right. Keep good going, good my brother. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Jesse James Jones asks, why is there so much bad stuff about you, Sean, on the Internet? Uh, first of all, we're controversial, obviously. I uh, am a donkey. I say things sometimes that are not right. I say I, I make things up sometimes trying to figure out what it really means and the words don't come out right. So one, we're controversial. Two, um, they use ad hominem attacks. And ad hominem attack means to attack the man. And, it ha- and an ad hominem attack would be something like, because you are fat, Sean, you cannot have a logical thought about what Christianity is. That's an ad hominem attack. And so uh, they use ad hominem attacks against me on the internet uh, so as to make my arguments invalid against Mormonism. And that those are just, they just run amok. Then there's also the attack to uh, try to stop the ministry from progressing. They do this by saying that uh, they uh, uh, say, one, there's, there's 
something on the internet right now that says, I live in a million dollar house in Southern California and I live in a half a million dollar condo here in Salt Lake City and uh, that I'm just rolling, rich and rolling in the bucks because of the ministry. Bottom line, I live in a $700,000 house in Southern California, which uh, I don't own. It's owned by my mother-in-law and I moved in with her when we lost everything when I went into the ministry and uh, when it came to time to taking care of her when my father-in-law passed. I don't own that property. My wife doesn't own that property. That's not mine. Uh, secondly, I don't have a condo here. I live in an apartment that my daughter buys. My daughter pays the monthly rent on, and um, it's an apartment. It's not a condo, and uh, uh, I don't have wealth. I don't have a savings account. I don't have a brokerage account. I don't own any real estate in the world. So everybody can do all these things are there to try to stop what we're doing to reach the Latter-day Saints. Uh, and I usually don't spend much time fighting it, but the question from Jesse James Jones, which I'm sure is his real name, uh, well, had to be covered. We only got a minute left. We're going to go to Deidre, uh, wait, Born Again Christian. Uh, someone says this, I can't do that. Deidre, we're going to try to take it. Deidre, you actually have just one minute. Oh, okay, thank you. You're on the air. All right. You're on the air, Deidre. Okay, I'm here. Okay, go. All right. Hi, um, my name's Deidre. I grew up in the church um, here in Utah. I was married in the temple and uh, was very active in the church. I actually taught temple prep classes um, and then um, got divorced. Had about every calling there was. Got divorced and um, on my own with three children, um, I felt kind of was feeling like the church was turning their back on me a little bit. And then um, one of my friends, um, he was a Christian and told me a few things that I started researching. And so I just started researching and researching for hours and hours and basically found out for myself that um, that it wasn't all it cracked up to me. Deidre, I'm going to stop it off with that because we're out of time, but I really yeah. appreciate what you've had to say, check in with us next time, share more of your story. Listen next week, we're going to continue on alphabetically. We're almost to the end of the year, and we're going to be covering temples. We're in the T's. So join us uh, next week. Remember December 6th for the viewing, and we'll see you here on Heart of the Matter.